Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Hi everyone and welcome to my sauntering podcast. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me today, Daisy White. And hi, Daisy. Hello. We're going to have a conversation about suffering from an eating disorder. And I know this is a a massive big deal for both of us, which hopefully will make sense as we go along. But I think it's also a really big topic for lots and lots of people currently who are in a similar situation. And I just want to say up front how grateful I am to Daisy for making herself vulnerable and just opening up about this really challenging topic. So, Daisy, when did you, when do you think you noticed really that you were suffering from an eating disorder? Um, I think the early stages of it felt quite just they were very unnoticeable and kind of very small changes so it took quite a long time for it to actually become you know obvious that there was a problem um but I think it was around kind of December um 2019 yeah must have been that it was quite physically evident that there was something wrong and as it got extremely cold, like, I was just feeling it extremely bad. Like, sure. I had blue lips all the time and <laughs> wearing a million layers. So and, you were at school? Yeah, I was in year 11. Um, so, you see, this was, like, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that was when my weight kind of started to decline quite quickly yeah and did people around you start expressing their concerns and stuff like this yeah well in that kind of when it was kind of obvious that I was losing weight but it didn't look unhealthy I got you know a lot of kind of comments like oh wow like you're looking great and stuff like that which Mm. you know is lovely to hear but none of us knew that actually that was kind of fueling the eating disorder, kind of just encouraging the behaviours. Because I think when I was younger, I was... I was never, like, really fat, but I was a bit bigger than most children of my age. And so I saw, like, a dietitian and stuff like that, and these kind of positive weight loss thoughts were 
ingrained into my head. So when I started kind of acting on them and like seeing my weight go down on the scales and stuff like that, I I felt quite like proud of myself. Like, oh, finally I'm doing something right. Like this is what I've been told to do for so long. And then obviously it just kind of spiralled from there. Yeah. So when you were younger, were you unhappy with your weight or your physical shape? Did you feel conscious of it? I mean, I was a child, you know, yeah. like I I didn't think anything of it. And mm. then, you know, we got these letters in the post saying about like how oh, your child is clinically like obese or something like that. And it's just kind of like when other people start getting involved and telling you that it's wow. not okay. Yeah then it's kind of like, oh... So this okay. was from professionals? Yeah, it was like I had a dietitian who I saw like in primary school. Like I'd had to go to... Yeah. Mum would come in with my weight chart and I'd go see this dietitian and she'd put my little dot on the graph to, and if I lost weight, she'd be like, oh, you know, you're getting closer to being on the right line and stuff like that. And it's sure. just this whole kind of like perfect weight that everyone would always talk about and like yeah so Hmm. and like I saw doctors and stuff and I remember one time I had an ultrasound and afterwards with me in the room my mum the doctor was like it's likely that your daughter will never be like a normal weight Gosh. And I burst into tears <laughs> in yeah. the room and like, you know, I'm literally a child and mum obviously was, doesn't want her child to be told that because how on earth would he know? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, so, yeah. So the, the, even that language of normal. Yeah. It makes, if you think, oh gosh, I'm not normal, that is terrifying for yeah, a child, definitely. isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. it, there's such like a kind of stigma about kind of this perfect body and how mm. and what you see on social media there's this kind of idolized body of what a girl should look like yeah and i mean when i was that young i i didn't care like no, <laughs> you know sure. i was just you know being a child. And you loved to cook, didn't you? Yeah, and absolutely. you were always inventing new recipes. Yeah, and eating what I made. And yeah, and sharing it with everybody. Yeah. I remember you used to take whole containers full of cakes that you made in for your whole class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been everyone's favourite yeah. schoolgirl at that point. Yeah. Wow. And so that kind of language kind of gets lodged in your brain do you think and yeah, definitely and starts to do kind of work away like a little bit of poison yeah definitely because <clears throat> we had this little um thing in our house and I was trying to lose a bit of weight and we'd call it shaving mm. um kind of just like rather than coming home after school and having a big snack I'd have a under 100 calorie snack and it was this kind of like these little simple changes that everyone was telling me to do yeah and then obviously when I was older I started making those little changes 
and thinking like, oh, this is great. This is what people have told me to do this mm. time. And it got easier and easier. And I did more and more of those changes until it was really, really dangerous. Wow. So year 11, you were 15? Yeah, 15, um, 15 16, stroke 16 yeah. yeah. And so <coughs> was there ever a formal diagnosis that said you have an eating disorder, Daisy? Yeah, so when I, when kind of our family first kind of were like, Daisy, this is getting serious, mm-hmm. I, mum took me to the, my GP and she weighed me and kind of, I was referred to the eating disorders services and for a short period of time they said that I had an eating disorder and then suddenly one day they didn't refer to it as an eating disorder anymore. They only called it anorexia. And that was when... Because there's like a shift when you're... When you get to a certain weight, the um, your brain isn't able to function properly. Mm. And the anorexia actually takes a hold of your brain. Sure. So that was when I officially was kind of diagnosed with anorexia not just an eating disorder can you describe to me what it it kind of to you did it did you feel that you were still normal uh, other than feeling cold all the time did you feel like everyone else is making a big drama out of something or could you see yeah they're right <laughs> yeah definitely I think I I had it in my head that I was in control of it all okay and that so you, yeah. you knew you were losing weight, but you thought yeah. you could manage it. And, like, I thought, I'm still... Because, you know, I used one of those silly little BMI calculators online. Oh, right. And so I'd type in my weight, and it'd say that I was still in a healthy range. Right. But obviously, those things don't have a clue about... Because yeah. it's so relative to the each individual. Sure. So I was really unhealthy for my, like, weight... Yeah. that this calculator was telling me I was fine. So I was like, oh, I, you know, I'd tell people, like, no, no, honestly, like, I'm still within a healthy range. And all this, making up excuses kind of thing. And I fully believed that I was in control of it. And then, I guess, just gradually, more and more, the anorexia took more control, but still almost made me believe that it was my decision and stuff so yeah it's quite a sneaky illness it it fools you into trusting it that you're okay a lot of the language around it seems to um it's all very much about kind of seeing the illness as a separate thing to you isn't it and not identifying yourself too closely with it and yeah. and it's almost portrayed as being a voice or another person or a kind yeah. of thing in the room. Would you say that that's quite accurate for you? Yeah, definitely. I think there's this whole kind of stereotypical idea of anorexia that it's teenage white girls who don't like the way they look, mm. so they miss a couple meals. But... It's so far from that, like, it is an illness that is uncontrollable, mm. and, like, yeah, I I always refer to it as a separate thing to me, because 
a lot of the time it, I would act in ways that I've never acted before yeah. in my life. Like, sure. completely out of character for me. Absolutely. Like, yeah. lying and just talking in ways and I'd get so angry and yeah it was it was horrible to kind of see myself like that because mm. it was my body but it wasn't me in it and it yeah. was yeah scary so when what was the treatment then Daisy so you'd been formally diagnosed with anorexia nervosa um and that was that would that nervosa element is to do with the brain not being able to function properly anymore because it's so starved. I mean, I remember your body. I remember you looking so thin that you reminded me of the people who'd come out of the concentration camps in the Second World War. You were that thin. Yeah. Did you? What was the treatment, and what was that like for you on the other end of it? Yeah. Well, so initially. Obviously, the services want, if it's possible, for it to be managed at home. So that's community. eating disorders services? Yeah, wipeds. Um, <clears throat> and so initially, it started off with a meal plan, quite a loose meal plan. Um, just kind of like, I would have to have a certain amount of snacks and meals a day. And at the start, obviously, I had been not eating at all so you can't just put someone who's not eating at all onto three meals a day normal snacks all like that you have to be really careful because there's this really dangerous stage called the refeeding stage Mm -hmm. which can it should be dealt with like professionally but somehow in a residential environment yeah. yeah but somehow we ended up doing it from home kind of not really actually no one had really told us of how I think it was extreme the risks were. I think it was because we went into lockdown. They just yeah, weren't the face to face. So, yeah, your mum were kind of doing your absolute best to follow this meal plan, and we every week or couple of weeks, my I would have an online appointment with my like eating disorder coordinator person and they would make a change and this was the worst day of the week because that would mean that they would increase my meal plan and it would be something very small like an extra snack or like at lunch I have to have a portion of fruit as well and so it's these really little things but obviously to me they were just the most unbearable thing and I would just be so upset and unpleasant to the family and meal times were just awful um and then after a long time of trying our best to manage it at home I had gained a little bit of weight, but I was still very um, underweight. And I'd kind of just... I was maintaining at this, obviously, very... Like, if I'd maintained it that weight for longer, it would have really damaged, like, my organs. And Mm. so they then made the decision that I needed to be put into an inpatient setting. So when was that, Daisy? Was that, like... 
quite a long time into the process. Yeah, well, so, I mean, we're talking December 2019 that it kind of became obvious. Mm. Then, what was it, like, May lockdown, Mm -hmm. I was really 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 bad yeah. like the worst at the point of, of critical really, really critical, critical yeah. yeah um and then this time last year so october i was referred to so they were looking for a bed for me in an inpatient setting and then i went in just before christmas so that's about a year into suffering that mm. I actually went into um, the inpatient. Wow. So it had been a, a, a pretty much a year and you hadn't, you hadn't sort of come out of it well enough to, um, you know, you had to have some intervention where yeah. they took you into a residential unit and I know that was horrendous for yeah. you yeah yeah that was probably the worst experience of my life um starting with three days was it of isolation or yeah what? so thankfully at this inpatient I was able to do a test before so they didn't need me to isolate, but I wasn't allowed any of my belongings. That's right. So I was just in a room <laughs> that I've never been in before in a strange place in Winchester, so hours and hours away from everyone, and no visitors were allowed. And, yeah, I was in this terrifying place with... No belongings. No social media. No, so yeah, we weren't allowed phones. So I had this tiny little brick phone that would take me about an hour to type a single <laughs> message, yeah. and and we were only allowed on our brick phones in our room. So which wasn't often because after each meal, we would then have an hour of supervision. So we weren't allowed to leave the living room, um, in the inpatient. Um, so bearing in mind we have three meals and three snacks a day each one of which has an hour of supervision <laughs> you oh, get about boy. ten minutes where you're in your room <laughs> so basically I was completely just on my own in this really scary place mm. so yeah it yeah. was and obviously there's so many poorly people there it was very distressing yeah to see and obviously that's going to be with me forever yeah. what I saw in there and how did uh, do you think that that in any way contributed to you getting well or was it so negative everything about it was just utterly hideous and it's just I know it ha I think it has scarred you from what you've said yeah well because there was like I was so desperate to get out of there mm -hmm. that when I was in there, I was just <laughs> eating and eating desperately. Like, I was trying to eat my way out <laughs> of there. Yeah. And that was good for a time. And obviously, I got out, came back home. Things were good for a while. 
but it was temporary. I then, the anorexia still was obviously, it kind of, it knows how to trick everyone. Mm. Like it will make even yourself believe that you're getting better. Right. And you can mean it with all of your heart. You can genuinely be like, no, this is it. This is the change. I'm turning this around. I'm getting better. And then a few weeks down the line, you just start missing some things or hiding some food in some pockets. Mm -hmm. And by that point, you've gained everyone's trust. So they don't aren't checking your pockets anymore for food. So it starts to go unnoticed again and it becomes so addictive and easy and it's just this slippery slope. It's so mm. it's like trying to get out of a hole and you're almost out and then the ground underneath you falls and you're back at yeah. the bottom. But pretty um soul destroying really. Yeah. 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 Because you really did work hard, didn't you? Yeah. And obviously I didn't undo all the progress like I I maintained a kind of, it was an okay weight as far as it goes, like it wasn't healthy, but it wasn't kind of rapidly destroying my body like mm. before, so I, you know, thought, oh, I'm okay, like I can manage at this weight and, you know everyone wanted to believe that and so yeah it was what did it do to your relationships do you think Daisy you know with friends family that kind of thing did you did that all suffer or did you were you still having fun and doing stuff no <laughs> I did not have any joy in my life mm. I completely isolated myself I didn't see anyone apart from family mm. um, I my, I had a boyfriend at the time and every time it, sometimes he would be too scared to see me because it upset him so much seeing me the way that I was and not really not being able to help um so on the times that I did see him, it was just kind of sad. Mm. And I, every, obviously, because I was eating, needing to eat so much food, every time I saw family, there was just this kind of dark cloud around it. Yeah. And if one meal time went wrong, that was it for the day. Mm. Like, if someone caught me hiding food, that was it. <laughs> I was a horrible person to be around. And... Yeah. It was just, there was no escaping it. It was just so 24-7, like, because obviously mealtimes are just so often. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of, you don't realise it because it's such a normal thing of your day. But when it's like each one, you have to weigh out all these items of food and you have to, so many elements to making a single wrap, like <laughs> six it pieces of ham. was very ritualised, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And weigh, weighing out the salad cream and mm. you know everyone had to be so alert all the time and like if we had like my brother Josh down he, it, he I know he found it extremely difficult because he wanted to come down for the way that our family was before but 
obviously because I was so poorly it, uh, it was really different and so it kind of overshadowed yeah everything. definitely it yeah. just sucked all the fun out not only for me but for everyone else and obviously that's horrible to kind of think about because mm. not only was I hurting myself I was hurting the people that I love the most and it was just yeah. like I just didn't want to see anyone because it was easier and it was protecting them and I just felt like the biggest burden because oh. obviously I could see the way that it broke everyone mm. and that's a horrible thing to live with Wow, Daisy I really appreciate you being so open about it um, I know your mood really plunged yeah. down didn't it and you know I understand if you don't want to talk about that because that was a very difficult time um, did in that process were you able to talk did you feel like there was anybody you could talk to I mean and did it help I had an excellent um, my eating disorder lady we call her <laughs> yeah your person. don't actually know <laughs> but yeah she was incredible mm -hmm. and she was so, like she was actually an incredible friend to me and I trusted her completely more than anyone with the eating disorder and so she was incredible to go to um but obviously a lot of time like Daisy wanted to talk about it uh -huh. But the anorexia was like, nope. <laughs> because obviously, to get better, I'd have to tell my little secrets and the sneaky tricks I was doing, like where I was hiding stuff and how. and The switches in the microwave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah the watering milk down mm. and stuff like that. And so a lot of the time I couldn't tell anyone because even though I had lots of people, the anorexia still told me that it was my friend right. and that I had to protect it. And I almost didn't know who I was without mm. it because it had been so long. Like, you know, you're talking years where this has just run my life. Like, I don't know. I haven't been out. I haven't met friends. I, you know, I don't socialise. I come home at lunchtime at school to eat my lunch. So I was literally kind of... <laughs> I was there, but I wasn't there. Mm. So I... I guess in answer to your question, I could have, but I also couldn't. Yeah, that's interesting. You could have, but you couldn't. Yeah. Because the power of it was so, so great. Strong. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm excited to see you sitting in front of me looking well and nourished and <laughs> smiling and laughing. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long journey, Daisy. I'm sure there's more that you will talk about, you know, be able to talk about more as we go on. But I just appreciate so much you sharing today. What would you say to a young person, boy or girl, who's found that they can start losing weight by little strategies and their weight's dropping off and they haven't 
perhaps fully admitted to themselves is a bigger problem. I think that um, you know living your life is far more great than the life you would live if you keep going down that road. Right. Like, I've missed out on what's supposed to be, you know, the best years of my life. It sounds nice, the prospect of it, having what you think is your dream body, but that image completely just changes when you're in it. Like, you're like, oh, when I lose this amount, I'll be happy. And then you get to that amount. It's like, oh, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And then it consumes you. Mm. And like no one cares, you know? Like, people love you for the person that you are, not your body. Like, yeah. and when I... I... My body was the worst it had ever been when I was like that. And I knew that at the time. I hated the way I looked. Being so... Like, I was just a skeleton. Mm. And it didn't become about my body anymore. It became about the weight on the scales. Mm. And I just think focus more on loving you. Because the weight on the scales isn't going to make you love yourself. Very good. Yeah. Very good. So um, would you say that um there's a there's a kind of false tyranny out there for young people to try and be perfect that you would say that is a you know that's an imposter and a lie don't fall for it yeah definitely i mean like everyone's bodies are so different like you can't get some bodies to look a certain way like they just don't (laughs) work like that and it's just like you've got to completely disregard everyone else's body you've got to like it is such your body is just a vessel isn't it for Mm. you and people you know you can have the most incredible body on the planet but if you're a horrible person inside Mm. it doesn't matter and I think it goes two ways like I think Body is um, beauty is so subjective, mm. and it's completely what you make it, and you've just got to work on loving yourself and accepting yourself for who you are, yeah. and finding peace with that, yeah. and focusing on just living your life and having yeah. a good time. And the people that are important and are good for you don't care about what you look like, mm. and they're the people that you should surround yourself with because if someone were to be that low to judge you for your body, then they are not worth a second of your time. they're not worth trying to please, are they? No, not at all. And they are just temporary and not worth crying over. (laughs) Excellent. So, Daisy, thank you so much. I'm just going to say for anyone listening who wants to or is worried about a friend maybe or worried about themselves and they think actually this is out of control for me but I just don't want to admit it there are there is help yeah and eating disorders um 
in your county or area really really good and yeah. they will help you and beat yeah, is they a are really excellent. good website and particularly for carers and people looking after someone a loved one with an eating disorder they have been brilliant to us and also if you want to talk some more you can message message me using the links that are in the little introduction daisy thank you so much it's okay thank, thank you everyone you. for listening take care i am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book the christing it's a whole adventure of digging deep into the bible Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Uh, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.